2: I know Bills Mafia is out there getting ready to, you know, go to sleep happy tonight. The Buffalo Bills hand the Houston Texans their worst loss in franchise history here at Highmark Stadium in front of a packed house. It was a rainy, nasty afternoon, but the Bills offense figured it out. The defense continues to be as dominant as ever. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills podcast brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Whether you're celebrating at home or away, Topps has all your fan favorites, ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. And Ryan Talbot, bring you in here. There was plenty of entertainment for Bills fans today during this game.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And listen, Matt, I know you don't do the burger read anymore, Uh, the burger bar, but Buffalo (laughs) served up a fresh 40 burger to the Houston Texans. Uh, You know, that was one of the predictions that I had right going to this game on our pregame show. I had said 42-14 final, but predicted the 40 burger for the second straight week, and it came true. Listen, this team was did not bring their A game on offense and they were still able to win by such a decisive margin. That tells you all you need to know about this team.
2: It wasn't an A game, but I think in some ways I'd almost prefer what we saw out here today as opposed to, you know, the Bills coming in here and just like walking over a bad Houston Texans defense, right? I thought the Texans played pretty well. They tried to stay in there against the run. I thought they did some decent things considering the weather. But it was almost like you come out here and Josh takes, you know, makes that big mistake to start the game. You know, the defense forces a three and out, you get the ball back and then you throw an interception. And it's like, oh, man, here we go again. I mean, it's it's going back to the Pittsburgh game when, you know, he he had a mistake and he got frustrated and you saw the kind of offense spiral a little bit. Today, he came back out there. He had another bad throw. But I thought it was nice the way that he kind of composed himself, got the offense going. They relied on their run game, and it was going to be a nasty afternoon. But I thought in the end, when you look back at it, you got Stefan Diggs going. Dawson Knox, who I want to open up and talk about here in a second. There's a lot of things to like with the way that this offense played today. And I think another piece is too the run game, the split between Dawson or between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Brian, it's working. I mean, there's there was a 41 yard run that I thought should have counted. There was kind of a phantom holding call on Daryl Williams. If that happens, you got um, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss going for like a buck 60, buck 70, uh, and a touchdown from Moss. This running game looked really good today, and I think you're going to need all of those factors working with Kansas City on deck.
1: Yeah, that's huge, and I, and I uh, talked with Zach Moss a- after the game, and I said, you know, this rotation is working. You're going back and forth, maybe one or two series each, and this team is no longer just a pass-heavy offense. They're They're pretty balanced. They're running the ball well. And he said it's a a testament to the amount of work that he put in this offseason, that Devin Singletary put in this offseason, the work of the offensive line to pave holes for them. So this is a more balanced Bills offense than we saw at any point last year where they were depending on Josh Allen's arm. And I think that's a good thing with matchups against the Chiefs on the horizon and, and the Titans. You need to be able to win in both areas. You need to be able to eat clock up in close games, especially late. And, and the way that both these guys are running the ball, it's a real promising sign. Throw those guys in with everyone else that carried the ball, and the Bills almost went for 200 yards rushing today.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd put the Titans in into that mix, Ryan. Mm, Losing to the Jets today. Yikes! I tweeted, are the Jets back? Are the Jets back in the mix? And, and people probably saw that tweet, and I was obviously joking, but people saw that tweet and probably were like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> the, it's a tire fire in Miami right now. I mean, I I was texting with Marcel Louis Jacques. He tweeted out that the, uh, you know, he's suggesting that the, 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 the Dolphins look elsewhere, uh, other than Jacoby Brissett. It's been that bad since Tua went down. And I guess in some ways, if you're a Tua apologist down there, you're probably happy. You know, if he's able to get right, you can get him back in the mix and, and let him try to get a few games there. But, you know, you look around the AFC East, if the Patriots go down tonight, and even if they don't, I mean, this is a commanding situation for the Bills right now.
1: Yeah, it's really promising. And listen, you know, I don't want to downplay the loss by the Titans too much. They were without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones. But at the end of the day, that's still a bad Jets team. You should have had a good game plan for and been able to put away. Uh, Henry had a nice game there. But yeah, I mean, look at this division right now. You have the Jets winning one late in the game in overtime. You have the Dolphins that are absolutely falling apart. Uh, after a season last year where they definitely exceeded all expectations. And then you have a Patriots team that, by all accounts, you know I think everyone's just kind of planning on a beatdown tonight from Tampa Bay to New England. So we shall see, but the Bills are in a good spot right now. They obviously look like they're the class of the division again. And and I even said after the game, I think the Jets winning this week was actually better for the Bills than the Titans defeating them, just because the Jets are no threat in the AFC East, but Mm -hmm. the Titans are in a division that they could obviously – uh, end up taking, you know, you saw the Colts play a little bit better today, but that division, I, I think is still the Titans division. So the more losses they can pick up here against teams that they should beat the better for the bills in terms of AFC seating.
2: All right. I want to get into, you know, some of the performances today that stood out and I want to start with Dawson Knox and I'm going to be writing about him. We were able to talk to, you know, a couple of players in, in, in the press conference after about, you know, just where he's at and what he's turned into. I tweeted it out during the game right now. As we sit here, and, and obviously San Francisco's playing right now, and I'm not up to, to the stats in that game, but when I tweeted it, Dawson Knox's two touchdowns today got has him up to four on the season. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle combined right now, three touchdowns. Hmm. So we're talking about a breakout type of situation here for Dawson Knox. And this was everything that I think the Bills were hoping for with him. He's been as reliable a target as any for Josh Allen. I thought Josh really stood up today in the press conference and stood up. I mean, you know, metaphorically he was sitting and he didn't stand up, but you know, he kind of stood up with the way that he kind of, you know, interrupted Knox and said, listen, this guy does everything the right way. He's in here working day in and day out. I have supreme trust in him. And even Emmanuel Sanders, who's seen everything in this league, you know, he he went up to the podium before uh, Dawson Knox and he said, something just clicked for the guy. Like, and maybe it's just like, the confidence of being in an offense with so many veteran players. Like if you're Dawson Knox, think about that for a second. You show up to work every day and you are the, you know, probably the fourth or fifth option in offense with Stefan Diggs, who if he continues on the way that he's going, I mean, you're probably talking about a future hall of famer, Emmanuel Sanders, who has had an unbelievable career. And Cole Beasley who's coming off of an all pro season. There's so much talent around him that a lot of times, He's a, he's got to be an afterthought for defense's game planning for the Bills because there's just too many names in front of him. And then you throw on top of it the way that the Bills have been running the ball, and this it's almost like crescendo to this perfect situation for Knox to have this breakout here.
1: Yeah, you, you know, and it's funny, I tweeted, he has now set a new career high in touchdown receptions, and we are in week four. So what's this going to look like by the end of this season Uh, if he continues to produce at this level? And, and it's all the things you mentioned, the fact that he's kind of an afterthought with Diggs, with with Beasley, uh, with Sanders and company, and obviously now even the run game you have to give that respect to. It's that, but it's also opportunity. You know, we sat here and we talked about the fact that maybe he didn't he didn't get nearly as many snaps as these premier tight ends around the league. So, yeah, the, the drops were a little bit alarming, but he also wasn't getting the targets, wasn't getting the opportunities that a lot of those players were. This year, he's getting more opportunities. He's seeing the field more. And he's, you know, it's paying off for him and this team in terms of how well he is playing. So, you know, kudos to Dawson Knox. I know that when the Bills released Jacob Hollister, the first thought for everyone, myself included, was, oh, they're going to bring him back the next day. And then after that wasn't the case, it was, oh, man, what's, what's Brandon Bean doing? This is just another sign that, guys, th- this GM in Buffalo, he knows what he's doing. He knows what they have in in this Dawson Knox guy. And, and, you know, Knox is proving him right, proving uh, this whole coaching staff right in terms of having that faith in him over the course of these last few years. All right, I
2: want to get into some of the concerning news that comes out of today's game. And we asked Sean McDermott after the game. You know, We're going to get into the dominant performance of this defense. There's so many guys that we have to talk about that I think there's a lot of good signs to take away from today. But, you know, you you go into the game without Jordan Poyer. You go into the game without Taron Johnson. You get great, you know, relief performances from Jaquan Johnson in his third year, Cam Lewis in his third year, plucked off the practice squad yesterday. And we'll talk about those guys in a little while. And that's great. You know, there's depth on this team, and, and you're going to talk a little bit about that. But Matt Milano suffers a hamstring injury, and that's been a consistent problem for him in his career. Now I saw him walking around down on the sideline after he came out of the tent. It looked like he was like stretching it out a little bit. He had his helmet on. I'd imagine this is an he was kept out of the game because of an um, using abundance amount of ca- of caution because you have Kansas City coming up next week, and we saw the kind of way this game was going but Sean McDermott didn't have an update after the game. And if Matt Milano is dealing with a hamstring all week, if that's something that is going to affect him, we're talking about the top linebacker in the NFL going into week four, potentially either not there or affected. And we saw how he played when he was affected last year against Kansas city next week.
1: Yeah. I, I wrote that he had been playing at an all pro level going up into this game. And then when he exited, obviously, you know, AJ Klein stepped in, did a nice job. One of those depth players that stepped up, but, you know, you can't go into this Chiefs game without a healthy Matt Milano and expect this defense to look the same as they have over the first four weeks. They've been dominant. But Milano is so important to their success. And if he is limited, if he is banged up, uh, that is worrisome. Now, like you said, it could be precautionary. It could just be like, listen, you know, Davis Mills is not putting anything out there on tape that or anything out there that's scaring us right now. The weather, it's a sloppy field. We don't want to
0: make Hold your train worse. of thought, Ryan. Sure. Hold
2: your th- train of thought there. We got to step in there and, you know, stand up and say, if you're listening to the Shelf Football Podcast, you will be prepared for game day. We went over and over this last week. I heard people telling me that Davis Mills was going to be a real quarterback. Comes in here today, throws four interceptions. And I know that bad conditions. I know, you know, going against this Bills defense in this environment, it's a tough ask for a rookie in his first road NFL start. But what happened today? We tried to warn you about. He's just he's not there yet. He's not he's not a good or even average-level NFL quarterback, and he showed it today. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, going back to Milano, you have to hope that it's precautionary, but I will say that the Bills were pretty quick on the PR side to, to list him as doubtful. I always look at that as a kind of a negative sign. If it's questionable, he doesn't come back. Okay, maybe that's more precautionary. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. But you hope for good news. You hope that tomorrow when the coaching staff meets with the media, they have some kind of update. Uh, and that it's good news in terms of Milano because he is needed. But, yeah, in in terms of Mills, like you said, we mentioned it. He he was obviously uh, not ready for this first NFL road start, put in a tough spot with Tyrod Taylor's injury with the fact that they really didn't have anyone else because Deshaun Watson clearly doesn't want to play for them anymore, and the Texans don't want him to play. So he came in. He looked awful. I mean, listen, he was kept under 100 yards passing. That's including some garbage time at the end. You mentioned four interceptions. The Bills were even almost daring them to pass the ball the way that they played the run and, and limiting the the running backs there to 2.7 yards per carry.
2: Yeah, I just retweeted um, a video from Ted uh, Goldberg. Uh, Spencer Brown's got some, he's from Spectrum News. Spencer Brown's got some swagger, man. <laughs> he, I didn't even catch this during the game, but he was having an exchange with Desmond King where he was kind of taunting him a little bit about being a, uh, I'm, I'm sure Desmond King was talking some trash or, or something like that. And they had himself in a little shame, but he's fiery. I mean, Spencer Brown gets his first NFL start today. And we could talk about this offensive line and listen, there's only so many things that we could say when we're, when we're, we're at practice and you know, but if you, if you read between the lines, sometimes like you'll, you, you'll kind of get like where the narratives, where the storylines are going. And, you know, Cody Ford, on Friday, we talked to Dion Dawkins, and I'm going to read this quote uh, from Dion because I put it in a story that was up at uh, NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com. You can go read it um, right now. Uh, we put it up before, right at before kickoff, when we found out that Cody Ford was officially benched. Spencer uh, Brown was going to be starting at right tackle. Daryl Daryl Williams moving over to uh, right guard. Deion Dawkins thinks that this could be potentially a a wake up call for Ford. And he, and he said this on Friday. Here's what he said. Just because it happened, don't always take it as a negative. In any position in life, you can get real comfortable, real easy. If you have a great boss or you have great people around you that can help you just stay on track when you might come off track, it's always a positive. At first, it always hits home where it's an uncomfortable feeling. And I think now we can kind of infer that he was referring to, you know, what getting told that you're getting benched. Uh, but the following day, Cody came, uh was back at it, smile on his face, and he was ready to hit the field, working and trying to get better mindset. As long as he just focuses on himself right now, he'll be all right. And obviously, you know, after the game, one of the first things I asked Sean McDermott was, you know, what went into that decision and how did Spencer Brown play? And, you know, he didn't want to get too much into the Spencer Brown. that He likes looking at the tape before evaluating the, the the line of scrimmage. And I can understand that. I think it's tough even for us watching it first time around. But, you know, he said he, he it was a decision made to try to improve the football team. But he also added in the caveat that he, he, didn't, he hasn't lost any confidence in Cody Ford. He thinks he's a good player. Reading between the lines, I mean, if you make a decision to improve your offensive line, you're making a decision that Cody Ford's not good enough to be on it. And you're talking about a third-round draft pick, a, a raw player in Spencer Brown, who you're ready to get in there and take a look at him. You know, moving forward, you get John Feliciano back next week. I don't think this is a one-week thing. I think what I think Cody Ford's going to have some work to do to get back in the lineup, or you know, injury.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Listen, he let up eleven pressures last week in that game against Washington. He was the weekly link of the line. Darrell Williams wasn't great today at guard, but obviously, you want to give him some expanded playing time there. You want to see what he can do. Uh, at the time, I said one of his, his recovered fumble might have been the best play that he had of the game at that point. He he wasn't. Uh, 11 pressures bad he just wasn't outstanding but n- now you have the conversation you're right john feliciano likely to come back this week like butker you know has a lot of starting experience do you consider playing him or putting him in the mix there even if he's not and you consider and you keep, uh, keep going with darrell williams well where does that put forward though on the pecking order does butker uh jump him in line so to speak because he has the versatility to play both spots Time will tell if they get into one of those situations. Uh, But obviously, no, it doesn't bode well for Ford. This is just another, he hasn't had the type of career that I'm sure he envisioned when the Bills drafted him between injuries, between getting pulled, between getting moved around. But right this year, they said, listen, you're going to be a guard. You know, he flashed at times at training camp, he flashed in one preseason game. It just hasn't come together enough for the Bills' liking. So they made that decision. Uh, You know, that's one area I'll give Sean McDermott credit. He's he's never hesitant to kind of change things up there on the offensive line if he feels a change needs to be made.
2: Yeah, and I I don't see a situation where Daryl Williams comes off the field. I mean, he's a guy that you're paying. Uh, I think he's got a top ten uh, cap hit uh, on the team, if not, he's maybe just right outside of the top ten at uh, you know six six point one million dollars, and that's a guy that you just you know rewarded uh, for a really good season last year. And I think when he does play well, he's one of your, your best five players. And I'll give him a little bit of credit. Cause I, I tweeted about, you know, Daryl Williams early in this game where I thought he had a couple really bad one-on-one reps, but I thought he got better and more comfortable as the game went on. Be interested to see that as we go back and, and look at it. But I think looking at the defensive side of the ball for a second here, there's so many positive signs mm-hmm. about what this team was able to do, even without Taryn Johnson and without, Jordan Poy- a lot of ways at times this year. I think Jordan Poyer has been playing as well as anybody on this defensive line. Boogie Basham first sack of his career. He gets his first jersey, and I know the comment section, the shout comment section, is lit up about Boogie because they they were ready for that. Uh, they've been ready for that all season. Uh, but he has a nice hit. Starla Tulile, you know, playing well today. Who, if you take a look at this defense, Ryan, who was you know that performance maybe that that really stands out in in, in a group of really good performances.
1: Why that's a tough call, Matt. Just because you know, I'll throw another name in there. I'll throw Ed Oliver in there, and I know that he didn't have a sack. He didn't necessarily make a ton of flashy plays, but he blew up a, a run play. He was really good against the run on, on Sunday. Uh, I thought, you know, he said post game, if you if you y'all are going to keep running the ball, I'm going to pretty much stop it. And, and I think the Bills were great in that regard. Uh, he was someone that came in this week, maybe with a little chip on his shoulder after Sean McDermott had a little comment where he said, you know, he, he's he's playing well, maybe not where he thought he would be at this point. Uh, But I I thought he had a really standout performance. But it's hard to pick just one player because you you look across the board, they had so many players step up for them on Sunday. And I asked Cam Lewis about that after the game, and he said, listen, we we feel like, whether you're talking about the starters, the guys on the bench or the guys on the practice squad, we can all start in this league if we were in another situation. And, you know, to Lewis's point, it's hard to argue that. He got his hands on a ball early in the game that he almost intercepted. Uh, He forced a fumble later in the game. You have Jaquan Johnson getting an interception. DeMar Hamlin with a pass breakup. We know how much they like Josh Thomas, who is also on the practice squad. So there's something to be said about the depth of this secondary and how well they played. So if I was to point out a a specific unit, I would really point out that unit, though, just because they were outstanding and obviously at Old Reliable and Micah Hyde getting an interception in this game off a tip pass. Uh, they, They were pretty much outstanding across the board in the secondary on Sunday.
2: Like, I don't want to overreact to one good play. And I know that we've been touting, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is maybe playing a little bit better than he was probably getting credit for. I mean, there just seems to be a subsection of the fan base that seems really, you know, set in their ways at, you know, bagging on the guy. And so I almost feel like, you know, there's been... I feel like he's he's playing at an above average level. You know, I think at times even better than that in coverage. I think it's just the lack of the big time. I thought we saw some hits today. I thought he played he was playing with energy. And maybe sometimes he he has those kind of games against lesser opponents. I think next week, listen, we're sitting here now at six twenty. Uh, I don't know if the line is is out yet for that Kansas City game. Uh, I thought that there was probably some scary moments, not not watching the game with Kansas City really close with Philly. For the most part today, I know Tyreek had himself a good game, Tyreek Hill, but we're sitting here, you know, starting to ask questions about Matt Milano's availability. All eyes are going to be on Tremaine Edmonds next week in this game. If Matt Milano can't go, I think AJ Klein can fill in. I know that he had some moments last year before he got, you know, turned around where he, he really struggled, but I think his comfort level in this defense now, well into year two, he made an impact play today, tipping that one that Micah Hyde intercepted. Tremaine Edmonds is going to have to play like he did today next week, getting to the ball carrier, putting big hits on the ball carrier, making them feel like you're not going to be able to, you know, make plays if I'm in the vicinity. And if the ball's in your area, make a play. I thought that that was a confident interception today. Like he saw the ball, he made a move, he made the play. And that, that sometimes it just takes one play, but I can't undersell how important if Matt Milano can't play next week, I think Tremaine Edmonds does, as 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 fine as he's been, I, I'm not overreacting to anything we've seen the first three weeks. He's got to take his game to the next level next
0: week.
1: No, I agree with that, man. Listen, he, he's going to have to be great. This whole defense is going to have to be great. They've played lights out, do not get me wrong, over the fir- four, first four weeks, but they've gone up against, after Ben Roethlisberger in week one, You know, Tua and Jacoby brissett they've gone up against some inexperienced quarterbacks and Taylor Heineke uh, and obviously Davis Mills today. You're you're getting Patrick Mahomes this week, uh, upcoming week, and you're getting him in Kansas City. You're getting an offense that moved the ball up and down the field on you without any issues last season. So now it's up to Tremaine Edmonds to play like he did or take the game to the next level. It's up to this defensive line to keep stopping the run like they have all season. And for the secondary, everyone, all 11 players, to keep tackling like they have. And there's been some sure tackling along the way. You can't let a team like the Chiefs pick up those yards after the catch. You you know, listen, this is going to be a much different matchup than what they've seen over the past few weeks. I think Buffalo's defense is going to be up to the task in terms of maybe creating a turnover or two or getting some more stops, obviously, than last year. But Tremaine Edmonds and everyone else is going to have to bring their A game on Sunday night.
2: Yeah. And I see the comment here on YouTube and Charles says Edmonds is great, but asking him to check Kelsey is asking for trouble. And, you know, I, I guess one on one, most of the time you're, you're asking for trouble against Travis Kelsey. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. But at this stage, fourth year in this defense, first round draft pick, you got to ask him to do that. Like you, you have to ask him to step up and accept that challenge. And I think that there's a lot of you know, that in this locker room, you know what I mean? Like guys that like want to step up and take that challenge. We saw a lot of that early on from Tredavious White. And I think that, you know, as he gets more comfortable, I think Tr- there's a chance that Tremaine Edmonds can elevate himself into a guy that can do something like that. But you, you need a game where he does it. And, and I guess that's my point from hot to go pizza and appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs, subs, to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed. The hungriest fan, make sure you get to Tops this week for all of your dining needs.
1: Chef, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. let's talk about Stefan Diggs going over hundred yards the first time this season. You, you know, you had a nice story on him. Uh, there's the, the whole quote this week about not pressing when, when his time to shine comes, he's going to be ready. And sure enough, that was the case today. So it's promising because we've seen Stefan Diggs now go over hundred. We know how good Emmanuel Sanders has been in this offense. What did you think of Diggs's performance today though, uh, against the Houston Texans? That quote is almost a perfect example of of what not only the way he's approached it,
2: but what he did today. I mean, the first one sails over his head. It's a really bad pass from Josh Allen in a lot of ways. You know, the old Stefan Diggs probably puts his head down and 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 pouts about it. I don't even want to say pouts, but like has some frustration about it on the sideline. And, you know, he went out there and it was back to work. You know, get your helmet on, get open, make a play. And I think what we saw today, I tweeted about it. Um, and actually, I could probably, uh, go through this thing here, um, to check it out. Going into this game on, on passes, 15 yards or more, uh, attempted towards Stephon Diggs in the first three weeks, one catch on eight targets. Last year, three, three, three games, seven catches on seven targets. It was perfect you figure that this thing was going to get a little bit better as you as you went along but today it was it was just all working he had two catches above 30 uh, for more than 35 yards and I think they're you know I'm going to go through one by one real quick and see how many actually had that were more than 15 but this was a day where Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen showed you that you know they're still a thing and I think that you remember relay races and track back in the day, right? You know, you'd, you'd line the four of you up around the track and you'd run and you hand the baton off to the next guy. I feel like that's, what's going to be with this offense from week to week. You know, one week it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders, you know, the next week, maybe it's Cole Beasley. The next week it's Stephon Diggs. The good thing about this thing, as long as they're all healthy is that on any given week, you can have one guy have a breakout kind of game like this. And today it was kind of two folks. I thought Dawson Knox got in the mix too. And, When this, when this offense has had it really going the last two weeks, and I'd still argue that even despite the struggles early on, they had it going. I mean, this is a a team that scored 40 points. They had uh, 450 yards of total offense. I mean, do you remember offenses in this league would like to have the early game struggles that the Bills had and still put up the numbers that they did in this game? This offense has had it clicking the last two weeks, and there's still plenty of more opportunities for them to figure it out and, and add more dimensions to this thing. Uh, especially, you know, we were talking about it after the game, Ryan. I mean, there's a good chance, especially now with 17 games, they could have three receivers go for a thousand yards.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a point late in the game and the bills already had a commanding lead, but you still saw Stefan Diggs on the field. His helmet wasn't on. I think it was after a timeout and he was getting the guys fired up. You would have guessed it was a one score game. and The bills needed, uh, to put together, a drive to try to put the game away, and and yet it wasn't. He was just getting the guys all amped up for the game, and uh, he performed really well. You mentioned it. You know, it's going to be in every given week. Some guys are going to step up. Some guys are going to kind of disappear a little bit from the stat sheet. It was a really quiet week this week for Cole Beasley, for example. After you know having a great game last week. Uh, we haven't seen much from Gabriel Davis since that ankle injury. He's been pretty quiet, but you're seeing Dawson Knox step up, Emmanuel Sanders every single week. Uh, this week, though, is Stefan Diggs going over 100 yards, and then the running game, too, g- getting things going. So it's a good problem to have when you have all of these weapons and these players that can move the ball, but there's only one football. And, and you know, at the end of the day, Josh Allen can distribute it based on who's open in any given week. Uh, It's promising seeing that these guys look healthy at wide receiver going into this chiefs game, which will be night and day compared to that uh, AFC championship game from one year ago. And listen, the the chiefs defense is vulnerable. They've, they've given up a lot of points this year. It's not something that they've been able to fix over the first uh, four weeks. So I think Buffalo's passing attack should have some success. You hope that Moss and Singletary can pick up where they left off and, you know, you don't want it to become a shootout, but I think that, uh, if the defense can make a few stops here and there, it'll still end up being a high-scoring affair. I think the Bills have what it takes to pull off up that upset on the road, though.
2: You know, one guy we got to talk about here, Ryan, before we, I, I didn't write about him in my post-game uh, observation story, and I and I probably should have. He was outstanding today, and that's Tyler Bass. I mean, this is a guy that, man, the Bills have found themselves quite a kicker. I mean, he's he's perfect on extra points throughout the season. He's missed one field goal. It was in that Miami game. It was a perfect four for four today. Uh, Tyler Bass is playing at a really high level, and Josh Allen was asked about him. And you don't really tend to hear a guy talk in detail, quarterback talk in detail about a kicker like this. But uh, here's what he said. He said, he's such a confident kid. I love that we have him. He's such a baller. And most specialists in this league, they've been kickers for a very long time, and they they just have their routine but Tyler is a football player and it is so awesome. He's so refreshing to see him care so much about it, Gets so juiced for kicking the ball, but he takes it so seriously. And really all of our specialists, you know, uh, Matt Hawk, uh, Reed Ferguson and him, they do such a good job together, spend a lot of time together working in uh, perfecting their craft. It's awesome. And I think you got to take your, your tip of your hat to Tyler Bass. And that's a, in a game next week against Kansas city. And we're going to, we're going to cover this game so much over the course of the next week, Ryan, but you're going to need every point in that game on the road against the Kansas city chiefs. And to, to know that in any situation you could trust your kicker, that that's a really good spot to be in.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I don't think Bill's fans feel uh, much nervousness when he steps on the field, whether it's those little chip shots or the 40 yards and even 50 yards. Listen, I know he missed the one against Miami that was from 53, but he's been very consistent in his young career from uh 50 plus as well. It, it's nice to have that guy that steps on the field and you feel like, okay, he's going to convert this. He's going to make that. And that was obviously the case all day today. They were, they were pretty uh, short field goals in most cases. But listen, they, they, they took the points. They knew that Bass was going to come on and make that. And going against a, a Davis Mills-led team that really couldn't put anything together, those field goals over time added up. And once the offense and the defense got things going, whether you're talking about turnovers on defense or, or just the offense finally moving the ball and putting together some scoring drives, it all added up at the very end where the the bills put together a dominant 40 to nothing victory.
2: All right. So we're seeing a lot of action here in the comment section. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this Sunday night. The bills improved to three and one on the season with a 40 to nothing win over the Houston Texans. And it was the Houston Texans, but I think, you know, part of that's interesting too, Ryan. I think a lot of people sometimes get hung up on, on this kind of game and kind of, you know, put it in its proper place in their mind and, you know, it's a blowout against the bad team, and I, I don't think the Houston Texans are very good. I was saying that going into the game, but you got to do the, you got to still do it. You know what I mean? You got to come in here, you got to execute. The weather in here was was terrible. I mean, early in the game, there wasn't a lot of wind, but the rain was terrible. You know, five uh, fumbles in the game. Uh, I think only two of them were lost, or maybe even one of them were lost. But it was one of those games where offense, in a lot of ways, you could have, you could have probably said, "All right, go go to a run heavy approach." You know, if Brian Dable, you know, goes, you know, to his run game, or you know, tries to really lean on the clock and and make it a, a low scoring game, you understand that mindset. But the Bills stay with what they do. There's this there's this aura or confidence level in this offense, and there was no way about it they were going to get into um they were going to execute their game plan that they had for this game, and I thought they did it at a high level.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't take the the foot off the gas pedal, so to speak, late. It's very easy to kind of get into that trend of hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, punt. Uh, but when they were handing it off, the backs were still running effectively. When they were passing, it might have been the short passing game, but they were they were moving the ball. Uh even when the backups came in led by Mitch Trubisky, he had a his touchdown run that was I'm I'm assuming was designed that way, untouched into the end zone. So they, they knew enough to say we have some big games on the horizon coming up. We don't want to take the foot off the gas pedal. We want to keep showing that we can put up points on the board against anyone with any team, no matter who's in for us on offense, who's playing on defense. And they did just that on both sides of the ball today. Showed off their depth, showed off their talent, and and most of all just showed we're we're a team that's going to go for the throats when we have the opportunity.
2: We're going to go to the comment section. We're going to bring in uh, Sarah Holland now. And she's been paying attention all afternoon to everything you guys got going on in the comments and she will continue to do so. She's got some stuff to bring into the show right now, but if you have any other questions or comments, leave them uh, in the chat and we will get to them here in the final 10 minutes of the show. How are you, Sarah?
0: I'm good. How are you guys?
2: We are good. wonderful. We are wonderful. What's uh, what's going on in the chat?
0: I saw a lot of comments about some red zone concerns and how, um, you know, the bills can't rely on kicking field goals against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know you guys are going to go into it a little bit more this upcoming week, but as of right now, do you guys have any major concerns with what you saw today?
1: Well, I listed it on my worried list in terms of their performance 3 of 7 today, but you have to consider the weather conditions. Uh, you, You have to consider the fact that I think that they were content against this uh, Texans team to to take some field goals, knowing that Houston wasn't going to be able to put up a lot of points in this matchup and obviously ended up being zero. Uh, but they've also been pretty efficient at times in the red zone uh, this year. So, I you know, I'm not overly concerned. I don't think you're going to have the type of weather conditions like there were today in Kansas City next week. But it's something certainly to keep an eye on going forward. There's a
2: certain level. I mean, you think back, we're going to be thinking back to that Kansas City game and talking about all the struggles that the Bills had in that game and red zone efficiency is going to be at the forefront. And, you know, I think part of it, like you mentioned, Ryan, early in this game, the weather was really bad. And I think that the Bills, knowing how good their defense were, what was playing, they were a little bit more conservative. You know, I think they might have been a little bit more aggressive had the weather been a little bit better. And who knows, maybe the weather won't be good in Kansas City next week and you got to you gotta make do with it and you got to execute in the red zone. And so that's a big part of it. But what I think is a cool thing that's going on right now for this team, and listen, that might be exposed next week if Kansas City's offense is able to do whatever they want to do against this Bills defense, which has been playing so dominantly. I mean, we're talking about the best defense in the league through four games. I mean, I don't think that, you know, I'm very interested to see once the the dust settles after uh, the Monday Night Football game where the Bills rank in DVOA because they've been absolutely so dominant. If you're relying on that, if you have that confidence level in your defense, it's going to give you – you know, a, a little bit, at least more uh, pause, or a little bit more, you know, confidence in that. If we do settle for three here, you know, our defense is going to has the ability to pick us up, but they got to pick them up next week. And if the efficiency level isn't there in the red zone, yeah, I think that's going to be a problem against the Kansas City Chiefs. What else? What else we got in the comments?
0: So I'm seeing some uh, questions right now about the broadcast and about the power outage. I know that that was a big story from today. Um, I was also watching on TV, so my power went out. And I wasn't able to see exactly who it was, the O-line that got hurt. But I believe it was Deion Dawkins. And I know, Matt, you were at the game. Um, So you probably had a better idea of who it was and what happened.
2: Yeah, so it was Deion Dawkins. Uh, He went down for, I think it was like a play. Uh, And when he went down, Spencer Brown moved over to left tackle Cody Ford came in at right guard um, and Daryl Williams moved over to right tackle. And I think it was only a play, maybe two. And then Deion Dawkins was obviously back in the game. And I thought, you know, it's funny enough. We talked about Darrell Williams. I thought Deion Dawkins struggled a little bit at the start of this game. I thought that he got better as it, as it went along and kind of settled in a little bit, but yeah, that was something that the, the power going out, I'm, you were watching it on the broadcast, Ryan, from the, from the stadium. It's like the entire, you know, thing goes out, like, and I feel like we had, you know, 65,000 people in here and everybody just was looking around at each other like, are they going to keep playing? And there was a little bit of a, a pause there. But then when they started getting it going again, it's like, oh, OK, I better I better make sure I got some play by play here because people, you know, you know, like that Miami game. I can't remember if it was last year. I think it was last year um, when the when the broadcast went out. What was the broadcast like during that time?
1: Uh, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I, re- I remember that because it was right after. I think we actually missed. If you were watching it live at home, Dawson Knox with a big catch, and then he fumbled it in that game. But yeah, it, there was parts that were just simply missed altogether. There, so it wasn't even brought back with to live game action. You missed a segment of that game. So this was better uh, in regards to the fact that you got to see everything. Obviously, you had the studio host calling it. That's not their expertise. So it was just pretty much a uh, very general commentary. Uh, but yeah i you know i joked after it happened that power wanted to beat traffic and get out of that game because it was all but over at that point and uh, i'm glad it came back on i'm glad the game could get played but definitely odd whenever things like that happen
2: i feel like you know if your if your thing is is dad jokes like ryan delivers one gem every episode of the show speaking of which did you um did you get a
1: picture yet of your your hair I did find one. I, I have it on my phone. I'll have to post it. It's not the one that I was thinking of, but I found one. So I'll, I'll find that and I'll post it on social media. Anything else, Sarah, from the comments?
0: I did see a couple of comments about Gabe Davis and I know you, uh, Ryan briefly touched on it, but just what you guys are hoping to see from him uh, throughout the rest of the season.
2: He had the one target, uh, I think it was in the back of the end zone there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, you know, I, after that play i, I kind of saw him coming off the field it didn't look like he was limping or anything but it definitely looked like he was coming off the field because there was a little bit of concern there for, on his end like you know it's it, it still feels like the ankle's not 100% and i wonder if you get to the point with gabriel davis where you don't just maybe shut him down for a few weeks let him get fully healthy i mean you know you have a situation where and listen you want all hands on deck over the next 2 weeks you got two night games against two really good teams but if Gabriel Davis is, is dealing with a nagging injury and this is something that could potentially linger long term over the course of the season, I don't think that you really want uh, that to be the case. And I think you could trust Jake Kumaro to get the reps that you know he was probably going to get in the meantime and maybe even bring up a guy like Isaiah Hodgins and see what you have put him out in a, in a high profile situation once or twice a game and see how he reacts. But yeah, it's something that I, I'm definitely monitoring. I think the evolution and and the, the the coming out party for Dawson Knox helps, but you definitely want to get Gabriel Davis healthy.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, you mentioned the one target back of the end zone. It did hit his hands, but there was good coverage on the play, so it might have been batted uh, before it hit his hands. He might not be hundred percent. We don't know that for sure. But you you mentioned it earlier in the show. There's so many guys that one or two are going to be the odd man out on a week by week basis, and it's been Gabriel Davis quite a bit here uh, in this early in this year. Partly due to injury, partly due to the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is playing well, Dawson Knox is playing well. You have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and and listen, even Isaiah McKenzie has been pretty quiet on offense. I know that he's the you know the the main kick returner, punt returner now. But last year, you saw him used quite a bit more in this offense. He's been pretty quiet, so it, it's just how it goes. It's good to have those guys though, waiting in the wings, or when you have these matchups on the horizon against a team like the Chiefs because that's when their number might get called. and They might get to step up and and, uh, have a game that no one's expecting or come out of nowhere. So to speak,
2: subscribe to the show as well. We are live after every single Buffalo bills game, usually about an hour, hour and a half after the game, we like to get down into the press conferences and bring you all the, 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 different reactions from the players and the coaching staff. Uh, we'll hear more in the coming days, uh, from Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, as they prepare for the Kansas city chiefs. And, uh, Oh, man, Uh, I'm getting excited, Ryan. I mean, this is the first big game feel. It's been like a weird start to the season because I feel like even the Pittsburgh Steelers game, it's like, all right, can we fast forward to these first four weeks? Because I feel like the real true test, the real true game where you're going to get a read on who this Buffalo Bills team is, is that Chiefs game. And now we're here.
1: Yeah, this is the first true test. This is where uh, the Bills kind of see where they stand after falling to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. They need to come out and find themselves not only in a competitive game on the road, uh, but Josh Allen needs to be composed uh, going uh, going into the road with that loud arrowhead stadium. The defense needs to play at the level that they have this season. Now, mind you, I'm not expecting a shutout against the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to be realistic. That team is going to put up points on the board. But can they get a few stops? Can they create one, maybe two turnovers? If so, that's going to put the Bills in a position to go on the road and, and win this game and that will be a statement win for a team that's trying to prove that they are the class of the AFC. Are you hosting a large party uh, maybe next
2: weekend for the Kansas City Chiefs game versus the Buffalo Bills? Check out Tops's huge selection of party platters for delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their out Cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. All right, guys, that'll do it. It is the Buffalo Bills 40, Houston Texans 0. We will be back on Wednesday night for Sarah Holland, Ryan Talbot, and Matt Perino. We will see you then. Take care everyone. Shout
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.